You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Exactly 11 years ago, the S&P bottomed at 666, I think it was. So it's the 11th anniversary of the bull market. No, wait a second. It's not a bull market anymore because at one stage today, the S&P was down, I think, 19%. So very close to a bear market. On the telephone now, a man who has guided me through this bull market since March 2009. His name is Lee Adler from liquiditytrader.com and also the Wall Street Examiner. And Lee, you're in Croatia at the moment. It's probably the best place to be. Because you're far far away from New York. Yeah, it's a good place to hide, Lindsay. Great cafe culture, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, But, of course, I'm still online all the time, so I'm well aware of what's going on. I woke up uh, early in the morning here, and I saw the futures down limit, and I said, wow, you know, this is is special. And uh, so we've been with it all day and watching it, and – Got down to the target that I was looking for, close to it, 2,700 I'm looking at. Maybe we'll take another shot this afternoon. Probably. And uh, we'll see. We're 2,800 now. Let's say that it's gone from 3,400 to 2,800, so that's 600 points. I don't know what the percentage is. Is this just uh, a moment in time where people are saying, we'll look back and say, well, we just needed some excuse to sell and the coronavirus was that excuse? Or is there something more meaningful? And the inflated markets that have been perpetuated by Obama and then more exaggeratedly by Mr. Trump and also the Fed throughout both of those tenures, do you think that it's just, as I say, just a blip on the chart? Um, Probably not. I think that um, you don't get this kind of a break. This is a, uh, in in my uh, way of looking at things, when the market goes uh, down 10% in a week and now more than that, that's a crash. And um, yeah, something's broken in the financial system. This is more than just the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus, call it whatever you want. Um, Because in the past 11 years, anytime we've had something on the horizon that looked very serious and troublesome, the market always um, recovered quickly. And and the the pundits would say that, well, the market looks beyond the valley. So why this time is it so much worse? Why isn't the market just looking beyond the valley having a little dip and shrugging it off? Um, That's the question. And in in that question lies the answer. Something is wrong in the financing mechanisms that keep this whole thing afloat. Uh, We don't know what it is yet. It's buried. But look, the uh, the crash in bond yields, the, the spike up in bond prices is simply... Uh, of an order of magnitude unlike anything we've ever seen. Now, the primary dealers were well positioned to take advantage of that. They were heavily long uh, the treasury market, so they've made a lot of money here. But there were big shots, big players on the other side of that trade who were short. Yeah, And they're dead. They're, they are dead now. We, uh, you know, the bodies are, are out there. Um, they're zombified. We We don't know who they are. Uh, and if they're dead, this happens so quickly and they're so highly leveraged that I think they've probably taken some of their bankers with them. So um, we haven't seen either the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg or the iceberg itself or anything. And I think the stories are going to start coming out 
in the weeks ahead. That's the reason I've said exactly the same thing to two previous commentators. I think that there's going to be a banking failure, at least a desk of a bank goes down, a primary dealer goes down, a hedge fund goes down, a brokerage goes down, uh, but also yeah. an energy company is going to go down as well. And this will come out. And, this, sure. is, and this is horrible. And you know what it'll do, Lee? Uh, you, we'll get down to the level where people are starting to buy. And then you'll hear the headlines on the in the Wall Street Journal, in the New York Times, on CNBC, on this program. You'll hear the headlines screaming at you, and then you'll sell some more. And it will take it down to irrationally low levels and then you buy, but there are going to be high profile and multiple failures, I believe. Yeah, I think we're going to start hearing about it pretty soon. Um, yeah, you know, we haven't heard, we haven't even heard rumblings of anybody going on under yet, which is, which is so concerning. The market is speaking way ahead of any speculation or talk. Um, you just don't get these kind of reactions. And, and I, I hearken back to in particular, not just to the stock market here, because the stock market is lagging the enormous move we've already had in the Treasury market. And in particular, in bill rates, Treasury bill rates, the shortest term paper of the U.S. government, the, the, the interest rates on those have crashed, mm. gone through the floor. They're way ahead of the Fed, way ahead. Um yeah, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. This is really unprecedented. And I have some theories that I'm working on based on what I'm observing in the data. And, and one of the things that I haven't quite, you know, grasped entirely is the idea that the Fed has been cornering the market in T-bills. Basically, they've been buying all of the Treasury's issuance of Treasury bills, taking that short-term paper off the market and stuffing the dealers full of cash all the time. So that, you know, they're the law of supply and demand is at work pushing interest rates down on the on the U.S. Treasury paper, short-term paper. So if the Fed corners the market there and the rates on T-bills are collapsing, doesn't that send the market a signal that something is terribly wrong? When you see short-term T-bill rates going from one and a half percent to a quarter of a percent in the space of a few days, it sends a signal to investors that something is terribly wrong. Oh, my God, we better sell our stocks. So um, I, I think the Fed may have contributed to this by by its own panic. I think they may have uh, started this whole ball rolling because otherwise, I don't think the reaction to the c coronavirus situation would have been as as extreme as you know what people appear to think is happening. No, it's not 4,000 people tragically dying. It's not 110,000 people being infected with the virus, of which more than half are, are recovering. It's nothing to do with that. It's to do with human right. behavior. Uh, but it's also to do with um, the fact that the market was overinflated by the Fed and Obama and Trump. And it wouldn't have been as bad if the market was just a normal market. But it's not a normal market. This has been the most crazy 11-year casino-like market in the last few years that I've ever seen in my lifetime. I would lay the blame, obviously, and we've talked about this many times, at the, at the doorstep of the Fed, yes. the Bank of Japan, and uh, the ECB. I don't think that the political administrations have much to do with it, but the Fed very directly does, the ECB does, and the Bank of Japan certainly does because they're buying uh, ETFs and stocks and everything else outright. The Fed doesn't do that, but it does it indirectly by pumping 
cash directly into the accounts of primary dealers. So, um, you know, it's been a, a direct correlation between the Fed's buying and the inflation of financial assets. That's what it boils down to. If there were no other central banks doing this, the, the markets would still go up because the Fed is a central banker to the world. Um, I think two-thirds of the primary dealers in the United States are foreign banks, are, are basically broker-dealer subsidiaries of foreign banks. So the Fed is, is printing money, pumping it into these dealer accounts. They're trading it, and then the money fans out around the world and, and other things happen to it. But the first-order effect is to go into the financial markets and inflate asset prices. That is the proximate cause of this bull market that we've had. So um, what's amazing to me is that the Fed is still pumping, and all of a sudden we've had a crash, which tells me that there is something really badly broken within the system that the Fed does not have control of, and we're just going to have to wait for this story to be told. The technical analysis is telling a pretty scary tale right now. Let's speak about technical analysis now. We've been to nearly 3,400 on the S&P. Uh, we've been to very close today to 2,700, which is uh, which is extraordinary. I mean, that's, uh, what's that, a 700-point move, uh, nearly 20%. Uh, what are you seeing? You've thrown the bones. What are they saying? Well, in in the, in the terms of cycle analysis and the monetary analysis, we should be getting a short-term bottom. Um, you know, if not today, uh, certainly within a couple days, um, and and a rally, probably a pretty significant rally. But uh, I still have twenty seven hundred hanging out there as as the target today. It's kind of irrelevant at this point. We got the twenty seven twenty five, so we'll see what happens this afternoon. If we get a holding action, then, you know, I think that we have a chance to go up a little bit, come back down, test the low, maybe make a minor new low. But the uh, seasonally favorable period begins now. The, the Treasury will, will have a lot of the U.S. Treasury will have a lot of tax money coming in. They'll use that to pay down debt when they pay down temporarily pay down debt that puts money back into the accounts of the people that were holding that debt before, and that includes dealers and big investors. So I, I think we have the groundwork for a short-term bottom here. Um, but the damage that's been done has been tremendous. So unless we get a really a, a rocket launch V bottom, I think we're going to see much lower lows later in the year. Okay, so 2800 is an oversold short-term bottom. Well, let's call it 2700 to 2800. So Somewhere if you're, in here, yeah. If you're a short-term trader, let's just have a look at that. Uh, but if you're a long-term investor, um, maybe start to think about what sort of lows. I mean, another 10%? What is your, um, what is your scenario here? Well, it's, it's really too early to say, but uh, twenty. Let, let's say 2700 or 2720, I think, was the low. At the end of when was that 2018? But or uh, no, that was lower. Mm. Uh, I'm thinking of the June low. I, I think if we get below 2,700, we're going to see 2,350, 2,400 in a heartbeat. It won't take long to get there. I think that potentially this could be one of the great bear markets. But we'll have to see. The next, I think the next six weeks are going to tell the tale. Like I said, this is a really favorable period. In terms of the Treasury paydowns, the Fed is still pumping money into the system. Um, from the standpoint of cyclical and technical analysis, it's, there, there are favorable things that should happen. So let's see how strong 
this rally is, if it, if it's kind of pitiful or if it's short and sharp and then peters out, then I think that uh, going well into next year or at least into the latter half of this year, we're going to see significantly lower prices. So I would I would use any rally as an opportunity to, to lighten up. I'm just trying to look at what – I seem to have something like 2360, I think, was the low right. back in – December 18th. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, right. it came down. So that's obviously a target. I'm looking at the graph now, and it's a candlestick, which I don't understand. But um, I'm looking at it. It looks absolutely Bar-shot awful. Yeah, there's going to be there's, the left shoulder has formed. There's been a head formed. It, it may go sideways for uh, for two or three months, and then it's coming back down to to levels that uh, even by today's standards would seem scary. How do we follow your work, Lee Adler? Well, uh, my proprietary work is at liquiditytrader.com. And for uh, those of your listeners who have never tried it before, they can try it risk-free for 90 days. And uh, there's a money-back guarantee with that if they're not satisfied with it or, um, you know, they don't find it useful. Uh, I'm happy to provide a refund. And uh, I have free articles uh, almost every day on wallstreetexaminer.com. Lee, thank you very much for your time. Enjoy Croatia, probably the best place to be at the moment. That's Lee Adler from liquiditytrader.com and also, of course, the Wall Street Examiner. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.